0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast, dare I say the cleanest hour in podcasting, which by the way, Mr. Sims was not ironical, but it was like a play on words because we talk about housekeeping, you know, and Absolutely. So that clean. but then when we first started the show, me and my buddy, Adam. Uh, it was anything but clean. Like we mm-hmm. drank, we cursed, we talked about things that were inappropriate. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I would have liked to partake in that as well. Yeah, it because was, it was for another
1: podcast. <laughs> I remember
0: I, I remember a friend of mine, an administrator of a nursing home in Vermont. She apparently tuned in to listen to the housekeepers podcast. This was years ago. I started this in 2007. So this was oh, a long wow. time ago. And, and, i remember her sending me a message she's like i didn't know you cursed on the on the program because she was like riding with her kids or whatever <laughs> we don't do that anymore we not anymore it used to be <laughs> exactly <laughs> think of the past too. think of the past <laughs> hello everyone welcome to the housekeepers podcast that my friends is steven sims and uh, i'm so excited to have you on thank you so much for coming on the show my pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. It's very exciting to be a part of this podcast. I feel like we met like a has it been a year since the it first time was. we met?
1: I think it was just about a year or coming up to a year. I yeah. do actually have my certification of a certificate of completion for the standard
0: health and rehab hanging on my wall here. See that? There you go. <laughs> you attended a workshop that I, I did, hosted. yes.
1: It was an amazing yeah. workshop, actually.
0: Oh, thanks. That's so nice of you to say. So I'm I'm super excited because you're, you know, it and it's I was going to say it's rare. It's not rare. It's just, you know, in the cleaning business, it's so easy to find ourselves one day working in hotels, the next day working in healthcare, the next day we're cleaning banks and stadiums. And then, you know, we decide to go clean houses. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of where we, where we settle. And it's, and it's, it's fun. I remember when I first met you, you had just come out of the hotel industry. Correct. Yes. And you're moving into healthcare, which is why you attended my workshop. Because you're exactly. like, I don't know about this healthcare stuff.
1: Yeah, I was kind of <laughs> nervous, but in all in all honesty, it was probably the best thing for me because it actually gave me the the information I needed to pursue my um, new career. So everything that I learned in your workshop was extremely beneficial to me.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to go ahead and piece that together we use that as what we call an advertisement no absolutely i heard you (laughs) we're working together we're working together we're working together i like it i like it (laughs) so you're in new hampshire correct yes the great state the granite state yes Uh, live free or die or is it i know (laughs) john the the great john stark is the guy who uh said that do you know anything about john stark he's quite a he's quite a character I mean,
1: I know the name, and I probably could recall some details about Mr. Stark, but not this is too everything. <laughs> I'm gonna tell
0: you everything you need to know about John Stark. Okay, John Stark was an American general during the Revolutionary War. Key, really key, a really brave guy. He he really lived by that mantra "Live free or die." And his wife, Molly Stark, gets all the credit. Oh there's wow. Molly Stark Highway, Molly Stark Schools, Molly Stark this, Molly Stark that. It is crazy <laughs> the amount of stuff that uh that she gets, you know, she is very noticed. And uh John Stark not so much. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It you, you think I say? it was is a uh, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> even back then. <laughs> yeah, even, also, you know, nowadays you're like, hey, why? It was, it's always been that way. It is <laughs> yeah. for millennia. It has been that way. Anyway, in New Hampshire, it, it, did you grow up in New Hampshire? Yes,
1: I, I grew up here in New Hampshire. I grew up in Portsmouth, actually, um, just around the corner from Rye, New Hampshire. Yeah, on um, the I coast, right? For quite some time. Yeah. Right on the it's, coast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Portsmouth's right on the coast. What was that
1: like? Um, Growing up in Portsmouth was very cool um, Seeing the downtown It wasn't the same as what it is now Um, I would say over the last 10 to 15 years The gentrification really took a stronghold In downtown And it has become more of a um, a Major tourist attraction Mm. It's kind of nice going into town But sometimes you just feel a little out of place Visiting your hometown And just not (laughs) recognizing anyone or anything down there But overall it is a beautiful place to come visit Definitely come visit if you can
0: yeah, I, I remember, you know, not just did, you know, your town change, but isn't it fun how much you change? Oh, yes, absolutely. One of the big things that I remember from from when I was a kid to when going back, I, I spent my formative years in Mansfield, Massachusetts, and one of the things that really sticks out to me is how tall I am now. Yeah. <laughs> things, were ve- things were very tall to me as a kid, and then you go there now, you're like, well, what? That was... <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. That was the rock that
0: really (laughs) kicked my butt trying to climb up on. You know, (laughs) you look back and I are like, wow. (laughs) So, what did you what did you do as a kid? Like, did you work as a kid? Did you play? Oh yeah,
1: I'm not wasn't too much of an athlete. I'm actually more of of a musician type. I did a lot of music music growing up as a kid. Um, kind of a lot of poetry, very creative. A lot of the creative arts things of that nature um I did spend a lot of my time um with a lot of my local friends growing up just uh kind of in the basement doing music in those areas where just kind of hanging out playing some tunes and then next thing you know we're making songs so it kind of led to um a lot of my friends still do that now but I kind of jumped into a more professional role taking on the responsibilities of life actually and you Mm. know working working instead of just you know hanging out and doing music in my basement
0: yeah, hanging out doing music in your basement though—it's got to be pretty fun when you're a kid, right? When you're yes. a teenager.
1: True. However, I just bought a new home, and I already made my basement
0: into a music studio. So
1: I will be <laughs> rezoning that on my free time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't ever leave you, does it? Those oh, first—it's
1: it's still there.
0: <laughs> those first passions, you know, those first loves when you're a kid. I. It's so great that you just always. It, it's just so great to, to tap back into it. It's great to have just a nice Absolutely. hobby and
1: it's kind of nostalgia with all the uh, madness going on in the last few years. It kind of brings you back to a better time.
0: <laughs> yeah, no question. <laughs> Absolutely. What kind of music did you
1: play? Um, I play a little bit of everything: gospel music, jazz, hip hop, R and B. Kind of a wide range, and also do you play any instrument? I do play keyboard.
0: Correct? Oh, very cool. Yep. Yeah, and that seems like a universal. Instrument as well, like you can play a keyboard and play anything from, you know, rap, gospel, death music, country. Yeah, you know,
1: <laughs> limit everything. Not so much country. I mean, I don't know, but I I did. No, I was just saying the
0: piano. The piano oh, yeah absolutely is,
1: absolutely is really you a universal
0: instrument. Everything. Correct. You know, if you played if you played the trombone, you're basically only in a couple of genres, right? There's yeah, not...
1: true. Brass ensemble, <laughs> a little bit of jazz here and there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you do you have any brothers, sisters?
1: Yes, actually I do. I have a large family. I have two brothers and I have two sisters, a twin actually. Um, and they're all still
0: in the area as well. Where are you? Are you the I, oldest, the youngest the middle? I am
1: actually the middle. I would say I'm number four out of the five. I'm the middle. I'm younger than my twin by two minutes, so uh, I she hangs that over my head quite often. so <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> I think it's all good twins do guess the whole point. Yeah. It wouldn't be the, it wouldn't be the same without that. So. Yeah. Well, that's really great. What did your what did your parents do when you were growing up?
1: My mother, she's actually she was at L&A, working in the healthcare industry, and oh. also um she worked in the housekeeping industry as well, um for hotels, and she kind of gave me the idea of going to work in hotels and that's how I kind of got my foot in the ground in that area, working front desk and then being trained as a director of housekeeping and then utilizing my skills to find other passions.
0: When when how old were you when you got your first job?
1: My first job, uh, in the hotel industry, I was nineteen.
0: No, no, just Fresh. in just in general. Oh, in
1: general, I was fourteen. Fourteen, I got my first job um, working at a local uh, market basket, the uh, food chain that's here. Yeah, uh, yeah, the grocery food chain here. Um, I started working there. I bought a bike to get to work every single day, and I utilized that to the best of my abilities until it got cold, and I kind of got a job a little closer at like the Dunkin' Donuts right behind the house. I did hop oh, the you
0: worked at Dunkin' Donuts I too? I sure did.
1: Oh, yeah. I can make a mean coffee.
0: <laughs> that is so – I I love I love Dunkin' Donuts, and, and I and I really like their coffee, but I mean the organization, Dunkin' Donuts oh, organization. Yes, oh, yes. Great company. It's such a great company, and I don't know like, – I used to know a district manager, a guy who used to run like a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts, and one of the things – I don't know if it's still true now, but one of the things that I found so great is that their corporate office opened at 5 a.m. Wow. And the reason their corporate office opened at 5 a.m. is because they're f- all the all the Dunkin Donuts are franchisers, right? They're all independently owned. Correct. Yeah. And they start a business owner started at 5 a.m. And so they wanted to be corporate and Dunkin Donuts corporate wanted to be available when their when their franchisees were having issues, when they had mm-hmm. questions, when they were opening their doors for business. Absolutely. Going. It makes sense. Yeah. I love that about, I, I love a company that does that. So many companies are like, we're going to start when we start, you know?
1: Yeah. But looking <laughs> that, that they're actually looking to accommodate their franchisees. It's a, yeah, a great way fantastic? to show that they appreciate them as well. It is fantastic. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah.
0: And I also appreciate that my friend Dave, who, who was the DM at Dunkin Donuts, he would, he told me about the whole operation. Like he would, as a DM, he would pull into the drive-thru. They wouldn't know it was him. And he would order a meal and he'd drive around and he'd park and he'd go in and he'd flop the meal on the table and go, let's look at it. And he, How many napkins did you give me? How many Oh wow, hash browns did you give me? You know, because it's all Absolutely. so counted. And you imagine, you know, if you're given five cents, if you're careless with your napkin count on every transaction, you're doing hundreds of transactions a day. That's going to cost you big time. It, it, it takes away instead of making 30 cents on a meal, you're making 25 cents on a meal, right? Exactly. So, There's not a lot of money in food service. You know, it is the pennies that that are the difference. I I just love all that. I love the Pennies to the dollar. Very true. (laughs) My buddy Dave, what a great guy. I haven't talked to him in a while, but uh, he told me, uh, you know, it's funny. I'm so interested in business that anytime somebody's like, I work in whatever business, I'm just like all ears. I'm like, yeah, go on. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) I just want to know. I'm so curious. Of course. I'm so curious. So what did you do at Market Basket?
1: Um, market basket. I um did bagging of the groceries and the dreadful collecting of carts in the hot, oppressive summer days. So that still hasn't affected me to the point where <laughs> that when I go shopping, I ensure that I always put the cart back into preach, the brother, field preach. So they can make sure that you know those hardworking young boys out there they're not running back and forth to get carts that could have been easily placed back. It's all about perception, as they say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So there, I, I, I'm so happy you brought this up because I have, I have so many thoughts and, and you, you should be asking yourself, why do I have so many thoughts about carts? Yes. Why do you, But I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like of all the things you can be thinking, people are trying to solve world <laughs> hunger and peace and all that stuff. Not me. I'm just wondering what we could do to get signs or, or get carts put in away put away. <laughs> I'm and all about I, that. <laughs> and I've never, I've never worked at a grocery store, so I oh, never, no. I, I never collected carts before, but I do. But I do like being the type of person who always returns my cart, it, oh, it whether I'm today. in a hurry, if it's raining out, it's snowing, it's freezing cold, you know, whatever the reason, I always want to be the type of person who puts my cart away. And when I look at people who don't, I'm always trying to figure out how to get them to do it. Like, you know, what if, what if um, there's one store called Aldi's, yeah, a, store I, called a, a grocery store called here, Aldi's. Uh, where that you have to put a quarter in to get the cart. Oh, really? And then you get the quarter back if you return the cart. Wow, I didn't That's know pretty that. good, right? Very That's inventive. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And then I've seen stores where they have a long pole attached to the cart so you can't even take them out of the store. So wow. you <laughs> so they don't collect cards because they don't let you leave with the car
1: intimidating to be honest you gotta be staying locked in <laughs> yeah stay in a single file single file
0: <laughs> the, the pole stays you know so the you can't get through the door because of the pole and then you just have to take your bags to the car wow i was wondering
1: i haven't seen I know, that there's all i'm kinds looking of, out pe- for that
0: people are trying to solve the problem you know Makes they're sense, pro- trying to solve the problem because a cart in the parking lot a random bunch of carts in the parking lot is a few things one it looks terrible two it could be dangerous three it takes up parking spots so you can't park absolutely you know i mean four you have to pay somebody to go get the carts like there's all kinds of reasons on why you should be thinking about how to how to get people to do it. And I wonder, let me ask you a question. Yes. You tell me if this is, if I'm off my rocker here, <laughs> do you think positive reinforcement would work? Meaning what if you put a sign at your car, you know, where you you put your carts away. If, what if you just had a sign out there? Like, um, not thank you for putting your cart back, but more like, you know, our customers put away their carts or, you know, the best people put away their carts or, Take pride in, you know, it, it, we're we're proud of you for putting the card away or something. Do you think that would have any impact at all? I think it would, actually, because Maybe. there's a lot of good, honest people out there who see
1: that these people who are collecting the cards and whatnot, they're struggling. So I think that would have a, a good effect on people, to be honest. I'm going to try it when I go shopping next week. I'll print out something today. <laughs> And
0: then I'll post it and I'll send a picture to you later. There you go. There you go. I want big science to say, we're proud of you or thank you for returning your car door. Absolutely. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta create that us versus them environment, you know, where you're Very like, true. you know, only the worst customers. Don't take care of their carts. You know what or I mean. That. Don't say that. You say, "Of course, our best customers. We know who our best customers are. They put away their carts or something." And then you'd see know. that that worst customer reading the <laughs> sign and slowly pushing <laughs> it back to the cart. <laughs> and and you know, uh, this is not a show about carts. Housekeepers podcast. Uh, we use those too. We use those in housekeeping. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> it's 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 a weird thing and this let me go full circle here Mm -hmm. the attitude that a lot of people have that i know personally have is that by not putting their card away they are helping the economy because they're creating jobs
1: oh is that what that is
0: you know like (laughs) you know that's I, I'm doing them a favor because, you know, they they need so I mean I could say the same thing with breaking kneecaps, right? Like walking around, well, I'm helping the economy, you know, because absolutely. Hospital. I mean, it's a ridiculous but you know, or you know, it's they get paid to return their cart. So why should I return a the card? They get somebody gets paid to do it. That's what and that's the same thing with trash, isn't it? Oh people yeah, dropping trash on the floor, and you're like, "Why would you do that?" They have people who pick it up. Exactly,
1: that is the worst. the worst. The worst. It really is. I see it all the time.
0: <laughs> Housekeepers <laughs> podcast. Uh, if you're a nurse, earmuff it for a minute. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have the biggest challenge in healthcare, don't we? With, I agree. Um, With with we are, we we have a unique situation where. Our most of our extra work, picking up trash off the floor, by the way, is extra work. That's not supposed to be there. That's not a that's not a that's not normal. In normal everyday course of business, you don't find trash on the. You don't go to Walmart and find the employees throwing trash on the floor. You don't do it. You don't. You find customers doing it for sure. But Absolutely. in nursing homes, specifically nursing homes, from my own experience with peace and love, I say this, of course, <laughs> <laughs> in nursing homes, it's amazing how much staff throw trash on the floor. It can be. It can be amazing. It's it's quite. it's it's a really weird because I've worked in cleaning in many industries and. Mm-hmm. In, housekeeping i mean in uh, in house cleaning i've done bank cleaning i've done condo cleaning hotel cleaning i've done ski resort cleaning nobody i've never seen employees just muddy up the place
1: yeah and i mean i don't know if i don't know if it's an intentional thing maybe that their hands are full they're just in the midst of doing multiple things at once so, they know that the housekeeping team might be You're on the You're being floor. so kind. Good for you. I am
0: a kind hearted <laughs>
1: person. I tend to be. But in all reality, you know, you got to look at the big picture of the team effort that we all try to portray and would like yeah. to perceive. You know, we want to make sure that we're here for the residents. So, if it's something, that, for example, is a, a few pieces of trash on the floor, my team's right there behind them so they're going to go grab that. But it's more of the consideration, you know, maybe they're really busy. They acknowledge they dropped it. So, it always comes into mind when you keep
0: that type of situation going on yeah i i i think it's it's really more of a lack of care like like to your point in the sense that well they have somebody here for that that's housekeeping's job when Correct. i i do seminars all the time speaking in ohio next week and and i'll be asking you know i'll be showing them pictures of stuff on the floor and i'll be saying Whose job is it to pick this up? And nobody ever says, wait, who put it there? Wait, what's it made of? Wait, how long has it been there? Those questions True. never come up. It's always housekeeping. And I'm like, well, what if it's dropped at 5 p.m.? It's housekeeping. Well, housekeeping doesn't get there till 7 the next day.
1: So it'll sit there all night. So It'll all sit day. there
0: all night. So imagine what happens to everybody walking into the facility and seeing the random Dirty gloves on the floor. Exactly. What do they and think? That, they don't think nursing here is terrible. They would think housekeeping is. They terrible. think housekeeping's terrible. Absolutely. And Absolutely. to the extent, if you're an employee, it would say they may say, you know, administration is terrible. Who lets this place look this bad? Right. So it's the worst problem. Let me get rid of those. The worst problem with housekeeping, one of our challenge, biggest challenges is that uh, 90%, we're judged 90% on the way our facility looks. Correct. Absolutely. Not, we're not judged 90% on, on how good of a job we do. We're not judged 90% on how hard we work. We're not judged on 90% on how m- much we stay in hours, how we stay on budget, how we are recruiting staff, how uh, the inspections we do. None of that matters. 90% is the way it looks when the person who's making the judgment call walks into the facility. It's very true. And again, that brings it back
1: to perception. If it appears to be not well taken care of, but you are still doing your job, but that one person may have left a glove or two on the floor at the entryway. Someone walks right in. They're
0: automatically going to think it's a housekeeping issue. They're going to think that the place is disgusting. Exactly. And if the place is disgusting, if, if they, if you don't have the ability to, to, you know, just keep it clean, how bad is nursing here
1: yeah that makes you really question
0: right it does absolutely i'm, I'm telling you target walmart home depot you name the store they don't tolerate that they no would not, not at not, all for a second tolerate any of their staff throwing stuff on the floor not even accidentally exactly not even accidentally you pick it up don't walk by that trash but in nursing homes i don't know it's a weird thing
1: yeah, it's more of the, you know, doing with my team. I always try to make sure my team is aware just to kind of do when they're doing their rounds in the morning, make sure or throughout the day, make sure you're scanning the area. I always tell them to scan. I said, that's your best defense to see what's out there before you come in contact with something that may be a more situation. Just make sure you have your scanners on so you can see everything and play. You know, you're walking down the hallway. Take a look to the left. Take a look to the right. There's something on the floor. Look up ceiling as well the scanning ability really helps big time.
0: No, I agree. I like the way you're saying that too. I like to live in a what if environment. Like, wouldn't it be wonderful? You know, what if everybody picked up after themselves? Oh, it'd be a dream. Oh, I mean, and and again, it's not like housekeeping has less work. We don't have less work. We still have to disinfect everything. We still have to touch everything. We still have to clean everything. We just don't have to pick up after you and you all of that. Exactly. It does make a difference. Oh, and and- it looks nice and so everybody's happy with you. They're happy with me. They're happy with nursing. they're happy with the residents, they're happy with the administration. One glove on the floor and nobody's happy with anything. Yeah, it makes all the difference. Hi Bay. Anyway, oh, oy vey. I say that often. It's my <laughs> favorite line. I say that often. <laughs> I, I don't even know where I picked it up. I, I think it's like a, a Yiddish term or or something. But I, I said it and, and, a, and a guy goes, are you an old Jewish woman? <laughs> I said, what? They go, That's what old Jewish women say. I go, it is? I don't know. Again, right? all about perception. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I say it all the time. Maybe I'm calling back to a past life. Maybe I was an old Jewish woman in another time. Who knows? Perhaps. <laughs> so uh, when so you said you were 19 when you finally Correct. got into the EVS field? Where where did you go to work?
1: I was working at the uh, Courtyard Marriott in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I started working there at front desk. Um, my managers saw a lot of potential in me, and I always applied myself. And I told them, I said, "No, I would like to move up in the in the company." What? Programs do you offer? And um, my manager at the time, she offered me a position to be a um, director of housekeeping. And I said, I have no experience, but can you show me the way? And she showed me the way to all her, to the best of her abilities. And then a couple others uh, supervisors in that department as well. They really took me under their wing, and that has allowed me to grow and develop to the position where I am now.
0: That is so great. What what I love Marriott. By the way, I should put me that too. out there. I'm a big fan. What what training did, did did they did they have like a training program for EVS at all or is it just like ma- general management training? It's, uh, general,
1: anything? it was more general management training. Um, I necessarily I didn't have a college degree coming out of uh, just fresh out of high school, so I didn't go to college. I just um, I just wanted to know what is it that they could show me so I can develop those skills myself. Um, so I did have a um, director of housekeeping at the time. They took me under their wing for a good week or two. And I just followed them throughout the day. Um, they allowed me to learn how to do inspections to, to the point where I was left alone to do inspections and follow up on um, quality control situations, things like that. Um, it was worked so well for me that within a three-week time frame, they offered me a position at another hotel to be the director of housekeeping there. So it was a really great training um, program that they applied to me. So it really helped out in the long run.
0: That's really great. I remember when I went to work for, I went to work for when the first time I started to clean, I started to clean condos, not hotels, but it's a, they're condos that were used at a ski resort. So okay. were, it was the same thing. So we had turnovers every day. We had stays, right? Like it's the same thing, but they were condos. So they were like full two bedroom, sometimes four bedroom wow. houses, you know, like these yeah. condos that we were cleaning. And it was the same thing where we had inspectors. And the when I first started, I was sixteen, and when when I first started, the inspectors were like, you know, they were very, you know, we were all like, oh, the inspector. so yeah, make sure you want a a stray hair to be found on the toilet anywhere. Yeah, I would have
1: caught that. I would have. You would have been screwed. (laughs) I'm pretty intense with the hair.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then and then uh, you know, same thing. You know, where you you start getting a little better at it, you start getting better in understanding your job and how to go through rooms and how to touch everything. And then all of a sudden somebody goes, Hey, we, you, you want to be an inspector? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to be an, you know, even sure. like I'd, I'd love it. You the, know? Powers be, the powers oh, that
1: be the powers that be
0: <laughs> what I didn't, what I didn't. And you tell me if you had the same situation, but what I didn't count on was the inspector most of the time. And I didn't know this before I took the position before I got the promotion to be clear. <laughs> it was a promotion. Is there anything I found I had to fix? <laughs> true. <laughs>
1: Very true. Yes. I'd always have an extra, uh, not even just one, maybe like three or four extra cloths with me just to do touch ups and wipe downs in those yeah. areas. And then, yeah. you, know those, you know, the common areas that everyone would always forget that you would know about. Like That's right. toilet. toilet, oh, the worst. So you always have to make sure you have extra things on standby because you would be the one fixing it so you could do a quick turnaround.
0: And a lot of times I'm doing inspections right before somebody's showing up.
1: Exactly. I mean, sometimes it's up to two minutes before somebody exactly. walks through that door. Yeah.
0: So it's not like you can go, well, I'm going to wait for the housekeeper because I'm going to chew them a new one so they can fix this <laughs> issue. i like, nope. thought about
1: doing that. It never works in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> in your favor. <laughs>
0: never. <laughs> At all. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you how many times that I feel like I must look like an idiot because I'm about to... I'm about to say something. Like, I'm about to go, hey, why did we? Why didn't we? How could we? How should we? You know? And then while I'm about to say it, I stop because I'm running through all the scenarios and I'm hitting a wall. And the wall is, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And then, never mind. (laughs) I'll do it myself. is not the thing I promote I'm not a big promoter of doing it yourself
1: of course of course but when you know when those sold out days and you're running around oh it's a quick five seconds you know
0: yeah no question so you started you started at 19 correct how old were you when by the way you said you had you had two weeks training that's that's not training by the way that's no, uh it's more of the show <laughs> you what to do <laughs> that's the worst kind of training ever <laughs> two weeks because you know, you know what you can learn in two weeks? I, I do like that, you know, it doesn't take a long time to learn that how to clean a room. It doesn't take a long time to how to, the difference between a stay and a turnover. It doesn't take a long time to learn, you know, where to get laundry or even how to order laundry. Correct. Right. That, it, okay. So maybe a two week little crash course, but it's those, all those other things. The, how do you, how do you, redirect somebody how do you deal with attitudes how do you stop gossip in your facilities how do you rewrite job routines how do you like we have this many rooms to do and this many staff and then all of a sudden somebody goes home sick or calls out or you know you can't keep on task like every time you try to find them they're out smoking like how do you deal with that how do you handle that that's that ongoing training thread that really kicked my butt growing up in management I mean I really really struggled with it
1: yeah and mean for me personally when I've had situations and because those are current situations it's almost not a daily event or an occurrence rather but it does happen more frequently than one would like mm-hmm. so for example I could have a full plan set the day when I come in. I come in and I have three call-outs, for example. This actually was this week. I had three call-outs this week, and I had no one for my nursing unit whatsoever. So I stepped in. I said, here, I'm going to do this, and I had to pull other employees from other sections of the facility to ensure that we met the needs of our residents to make sure, again, laundry's done, all the rooms are clean and sanitized, disinfected, making sure that PPE supplies are well available to all the Um, employees working as well. So it definitely took a little bit of a, all right, here's a new plan, you know, just constant replanning. It's it's kind of the thing for me where I make sure that, hey, I have a set plan, but if this plan doesn't go, here's the next plan. Try not to get into plan C, D because then it gets really crazy, but just to have two plans for each day really makes it a, a more efficient, smooth operation and it feels more organized that way. So you're not caught off guard.
0: I like that whole, um, you can't do this in nursing homes because they take it the wrong way, but I like the idea of going into a huddle with two plays Yes, and you have your fo- first play and then you look at the defense and then you yell, kill, kill. You can't do that Correct. in a nursing home. Exactly. Nobody wants you yelling kill, but um, yes, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had a, I had a, <clears throat> I was in a nursing home where there was a guy who was sitting. He He was a resident. Dementia, sweet guy, very, you know, very I mean it's dementia. Elderly can barely get out of his own wheelchair. Yeah. And he would sit in the front lobby and he would just repeat over and over, like a tick. He would just say, bullet to the brain. Bullet to the brain. And it's funny if you're, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I thought it was funny. I did not think it was anything big. Yeah. But a family member came in and heard him saying it, See, and wanted to remove her dad. Oh wow! From the home because she was scared of him. You know he keeps saying bullet to the brain, and you know to all of us we're like, the guy couldn't doesn't have seven pounds of strength to pull a trigger. Uh, forget even find a gun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's an elderly with dementia. Yeah. You know, it's like that's not right. You should not. You should make him stop. Make him stop. Make him okay. stop. Yeah, try <laughs> right. that. Try that. And see, let us know how that works. <laughs> try to make a
1: two-year-old stop running.
0: How about okay. that? You know.
1: <laughs> see, not too. Not happening. <laughs> not
0: happening. Not at all. So you're you're 19. You get the job. So how long were you in housekeeping before? Or no, you didn't. You started in front desk.
1: Correct. Yes. Started at front desk. I did front desk for about eight years. And then, yeah, I did front desk for a while, um, overnight shifts, um, morning, night shifts. I was kind of the all around guy for uh, working front desk there. Um, I ended up transferring into a a couple other facilities, working front desk. And then I really took on the responsibility of a housekeeping role uh, for my first hotel here in Portsmouth as well. Um, I took on that role and I was very nervous with the fact that, you know, this is this is it. I'm responsible for the entire cleanliness of this facility. I was very nervous about it. But once I got settled in and got acclimated with the facility, learned the processes and the steps that were required to ensure that the hotel's needs were met for staffing and resident issues or guest issues. Um, it, it You're talking out healthcare me, resident. Yeah, you heard that. It's a little <laughs> switcheroo. I, I heard it. But it's more of the, you know, making sure that everything was in order and not having that sense of what's next, you know, not knowing. It's just trying to keep a, an open idea of what's expected for the day. Obviously, there's going to be different days that are just not the same. You just never know what to expect a lot of the time, but just to have an expected plan was really beneficial.
0: How did, you, how did you determine if you were doing a good job or not? Were, were you only measuring complaints? Um, it was more of, of you well, know. How long ago was this? Well, how long ago? We're talking. What wow. year are we talking about?
1: I'm going to say 2016.
0: Yeah, so not long ago. No, not and, long at all. And the climate had changed. Just so you know, I started climate condos in 1986, so I'm a little older, right? Was so just I born. The, just a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, a little bit further back but tipping was a big deal and the envelopes were used all the time and you know you'd put your name on it clean it you know the housekeeper was name and that's not a thing anymore like rarely do we see it it's it's kind of dwindled down when i was still working in the
1: hospitality industry it it did kind of fade out
0: yeah but we used the tip as a indicator that we did a good job
1: yes for good services yes Yes. yeah for good
0: services right and you take away the tip, then you're taking away that reward. So then the only way we were, ju- eventually, the only way we started to re- to judge ourselves was based on the number of complaints, which is a terrible way to judge.
1: It is. However, you know, some of those complaints are critical. You know, you see those complaints and then you are allowed to, you are able, you are able to address those complaints or the issues that that a, rest or a guest may have had in that room. So when you actually get that information, you see it, you go forward and you correct it so you don't have that reoccurring problem for the next um, guest coming into the hotel.
0: Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. I just wonder, was that the only way that you guys were measuring success was based on complaints at that time?
1: No, um, with Marriott, we used a um, kind of a, what do you call it, like a, not a point system, but more of a red flag system or whatnot. It was more of the... Hey, we have an issue. If it's it's a 10, you got to immediately address it. If it's a 1, it's, or vice versa. If it's a 1, you got to immediately address it. If it's a 10, it's a good, there's no need to readdress. It's more of the, we'd get emailed commentary from residents and guests letting us know where the issues were. And if those were major issues, we'd immediately address those with the department to make sure that this doesn't occur again. So there's just, there's many, many different ways to, to really monitor and measure your performance within the Mm. hospitality industry. But the, um, the feedback from residents and clients was the biggest, biggest help of all.
0: Yeah. I, you know, there's this thing, there's this ongoing conversation about, and it's, I don't think it's unique to housekeeping, but it's, really predominant it, it's really it's 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 one of the things that we always look for and that is on a scale to one to five how well is housekeeping doing and there are people who would go you know if scale if everything looks great like there's nothing i would change about the way that you've presented your unit or the room that you cleaned or whatever i would give you a four And the reason I'd give you a four is because nobody ever gets a five and because a five is there's it's a there's nothing wrong with it. That's impossible to have. I hate that system, by the way. I think it's completely I think it's completely throws into the face, throws into the end because what other field is there like? Right. Like, could you imagine a doctor being rated on a scale of one to five? And a, a person comes in with a broken bone and then the broken bone heals and the guy goes off and runs a marathon and they go, all right, well, how do you rate the doctor? Well, a four. Well, why? A well, four? he just ran a marathon. I give him you a five. Fix, you <laughs> fix the issue, right? Like, you exactly. Use that for a doctor, right? So why use it in housekeeping? I say, if you don't get a complaint then we have to at least go, then it's good. Right. That should Very go critical. in the wind column. If you get, a note that it's awesome, then that's a win plus column. Exactly. Bonus. If there's a problem that goes in the opposite of a win column, but a no issue is a win. I'm going to remember that too. No issue is a win. I was no issue is a win. In housekeeping, if somebody comes in and says, I've got nothing for housekeeping, I nearly go play the lottery. I'm like, I'm feeling that lucky. <laughs> like, yes. Maybe I don't need, notes, hey, housekeeping was do doing great. Too. Housekeeping. <laughs> I want to hear housekeeping did exactly what we're supposed to be doing. You know, we're not miracle workers, right? We're not walking on water here. We are cleaning up after people Very who are true. messy. Stop yes. being messy, housekeepers podcast. If that's
1: the case, then we wouldn't have much of a job. So I keep on making messes. We like It's not true. It's not, <laughs> not all true. Of them, How we dare like you? Of them.
0: <laughs> How dare you? You know that that might be. I think I think you're right in a lot of instances where if you're like gonna, you know, I I know a lot of places, a lot of companies that do commercial cleaning and they clean like class A office buildings or they'll clean dentist office and whatever. And when they go in and do their assessment, one of the things that they are looking at in that assessment is how dirty are the employees there? Like how much of a mess do they create? Because that's going to tell me how much time I'm going to have to spend there. And so sure, you can have some employees who they always, you know, you walk into their place, looks immaculate, like a bank. Yep. Banks generally are very clean. That doesn't mean that people don't accidentally drop things. It doesn't mean that customers don't come in and make a ruckus sometimes. It certainly does. But the people working there will pick it up because it doesn't look good for their business. Exactly. And so the cleaner coming in at night, th- there's less to do.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: It's not like that in healthcare. No, not at all. It's, because it's, it's, we have to touch every workable surface area, whether we can see anything on it or not. And in fact, the way germs and viruses work, we generally can never see them very true so it's we don't so scary sometimes it's i know it could be scary but we're not we don't get less work if you pick up after yourself it just looks better it does if it you pick better. up after yourself makes a difference too <laughs> it it does it does make a
1: difference i will say
0: <laughs> housekeepers podcast i'm preaching to the choir here i know but i'm gonna, <laughs> i'm change, i'm gonna, i'm i'm determined to change the world one podcast at a time I'm with you. I'm right there with you. You do not need to give us extra work. We have plenty. Yes, we really do. (laughs) And put away your cart, kind of a person. Please, (laughs) yeah, that's right. Let's not forget. (laughs) So you've only been in healthcare then a year?
1: Yeah, I just I just surpassed a year. October, Um, yeah, marked a year here, and it's been quite the year, I will say. I've learned a lot. I've taken on a lot and I keep taking on more because this is the type of job where I know that I'm going to be able to grow and to remain to the best of my abilities in my profession. I mean, I, I came in here, no experience in healthcare, and now I've taken your course, which is extremely helpful. I've able I've been able to take a lot of that information and implement it here and make my own changes for my department. And it's more of the, with my department now, it was more of the, hey, we're here to clean now we're here to clean and also to be compassionate to the residents and to ensure that these residents are comfortable in their homes you know i really put a a different spin on how i put how my team is portrayed here you know i I even adjusted it in my my manuals you know i said you know what we're not going to be just here to clean i really want you to all remember the reason why we're here, obviously, to work and to do cleaning, but it is not just that. We have a bigger job and a bigger picture to look after, and it's these residents, and they mean the world to me here. And it's just like my my staff here; they love the residents just as much as everybody else does, and it makes a difference in our staff. Our our staff here is amazing, dedicated team, and it's so great to work for a team like this.
0: I love that. I love that we're not here to clean. And almost instead of saying, you know, we're here to clean, instead turning that on its head to we're here to serve. Exactly. Isn't that I feel better about it already. I would much rather work for a company that is dedicated to service. Yes. one that is
1: dedicated to cleanliness exactly and i do think doing to part doing part that because since i've worked in hospitality so long it's a natural thing for me to be like hey you know what let's put it this way instead of you know rushing and cleaning you take that quick five minutes you stop you talk to the resident while you're cleaning you know check on them see what they're see what they got going on see how they're feeling report it to a nurse if or an lna if they need that type of assistance so it's more of the we're a unified team, but we're going to take the extra step to ensure that we can be compassionate and caring for the residents while just providing the best services we can.
0: What's the, um, I love that by the way. I love taking customer service from hotels and bringing it to healthcare. Oh, it's I amazing. Think they're, and on the opposite side, I think taking the standards of healthcare and bringing it to hotels. I have a friend who just went through my course and she's leaving healthcare and going into the hotel industry. And oh, she wow. was saying, you know, quite the opposite where she's saying, I'm excited about taking all the standards and all the practices that we've learned in healthcare to, I think she might be going to work for Marriott too. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Very <laughs> she, cool. Yeah. But um, I, I, I like, I wonder what I was, was going to ask you is what do you think is the biggest Difference that you've seen between working for hotels and working for healthcare? Like, what's the biggest difference for you?
1: Obviously, for me, I would say it's turnover because we're not getting checkouts, we're not getting check ins, we're getting admissions, we're getting discharges, we're getting expirations, things like that. So it's a whole different mind game, or not even a mind game, but a mindset rather of where we are and where I've been as far as hospitality and healthcare. You know, there's a similar you know you're doing cleaning still you're providing services but it's more of the attention to detail is much different than you know going into a hotel and making sure that there's no hair and here we're Monitoring, making sure that there's no contaminants being spread around the facility and infection control, that's a big part here. And that's something that I did not know about infection control when I started, I had to really take on as much information as I can, retain it and then apply it. So it really worked out in my favor. As far as, you know, what's differences, I would definitely say infection control versus, you know, um cleanliness standards in hotel settings it's a very very big difference as far as you know your main focus and obviously here our main focus is infection control and also caring that and ensuring that our uh, resident rooms and common areas are taken care of well
0: yeah that's a really good point i love the uh, i love the and i went through that same kind of appreciation going from commercial cleaning into healthcare Where our customer never leaves. Right? Like it's a weird thing. It's a it's a weird thing to go because if you have an unhappy customer in a hotel, they're going to check out. Oh, absolutely. And then you get another shot with a new customer. Yeah. Not in healthcare. Not at all. It ain't (laughs) happening. (laughs) Unfortunately not. You get a new day (laughs) with the same customer. Yep.
1: And then you know and situations like that, where you know you may have had a resident who was really disgruntled the day, previous day, how can you go in and fix that or try to fix that to make sure that, hey, you know, you had a really uncomfortable day yesterday? Again, that comes into play being compassionate. Hey, how are you feeling much better today? Is there anything I can do to make you more comfortable? Those types of things really come
0: into play with that. There was, when I was a kid, not a kid, I think I was in my 20s, I was doing some temp work. And one of the temp jobs was to act as a secretary for somebody who was going to be out. And I was like, I don't know if I'm much of a secretary, but I was like, I don't (laughs) care. You know, I needed the money. And so I took this job working for a, a housing authority. Okay. And so they were, I was basically just always getting calls from people who are living in these, these not really assisted living, they're more independent living, but they were, but they still needed services so these in, these independent living facilities run by the by this town and i remember like maybe my second day there a lady called and said that her the light bulb in her foyer had gone out i was like okay she's like well i need somebody here to fix it <laughs> and i was like oh thinking to well, myself me, yeah <laughs> you don't fix your own light bulb but she's elderly because it's elderly housing and i'm like okay i'll get a hold of maintenance and i'll have them do it she's like okay thank you i call maintenance they're like all right we'll put it on the list whatever the next day she calls back and my the guy who i was there interning for or yep. temping for he's walking by as this lady calls back and she said you know they never came and and replaced that light bulb and it's right in my foyer and I, it's dark there and i don't like it being dark and i remember being very like Oh my God, they didn't fix that for you? That's terrible. Let me call them back. They, you know, I'll get them right on the horn. I hang up with her and the guy goes, hey, that's the attitude that we really always want you to portray here. Absolutely. And I didn't even, it's not like I did it on purpose. Like, it wasn't like I was trying to just sugarcoat something. I was, just, I was like, oh, I can't imagine why they couldn't go do the light bulb thing. But that just reiterates your point that that kind of compassion, that kind of always seeing the things, seeing things from your customer, from your resident's point of view is really, really important because they're never leaving.
1: It is very important. And it, and that brings to mind the learn model. This is something I brought here. As far as the working in the hospitality industry, the learn model, you want to listen to the resident. You want to empathize with the resident. You also want to acknowledge the resident. You want to react and you want to notify. You know, so those steps are huge in both areas as well. That has a big comparison as far as, you know, hospitality, healthcare. That learn model correlates for both areas and both industries. It's just great because that brings along to as far as example, 155 rule. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the fifteen-five, fifteen five rule.
0: Yeah, the foot, 15 feet or five feet. Yes, exactly.
1: And i implemented that here as well. So not only is it amongst residents, but it's also amongst staff. So my team is, you know, uniform where they see a person, 15, you acknowledge and five feet, you say, hi, you greet, you know, so that really took a big step into forming my team as well. And they, they've been working really well with it. It's, it's, it feels good.
0: Yeah. Again, that's just one of those things that is typical customer service exactly in the private sector not so typical in the in the public sector here in like a nursing home or a hospital and so good for you for bringing that in because that's an important one
1: it really is yeah it makes it all the difference
0: yeah i i really i really like that i like the idea of acknowledging i i i'm not a big fan of head down no contact I know when I do it, you know what I, I know that when I have my head down, I'm not looking for any contact. I know I'm trying to avoid an issue. True. <laughs> Very true. I can understand and so, that. <laughs> and so I don't like it when people it's are like, doing oh, it to here me. Comes so-and-so.
1: <laughs> I've been there before. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so how you, you, you kind of, I was going to say like you came out, you, you started Right in the middle of the pandemic, essentially. So you yeah,
1: right in the middle of it. Yeah, about yeah, yeah October I started. So yeah, probably nine months or so into the pandemic, six months rather. Yeah, it was definitely uh, I was nervous, very nervous with the idea. But you know, in all honesty, this was the best decision I could have made for a career change. This place has been wonderful to me. It has been extremely life changing for me as well. So I'm very grateful for the uh the changes and the opportunities that were presented to me.
0: Yeah, uh Webster at Rye. Can I say their name? I did, so I guess I can. Um, That's <laughs> <laughs> Webster Rye. Great facility. I I've I've worked with you guys. I've worked with Webster at Rye. I've worked with Todd for a long time and, and the administrator there. So great. Such a great it's, team.
1: It's such an amazing team. And I, I couldn't be more proud to be on this team. They've really yeah, been not all teams supportive. are like that, by
0: the way. So don't leave. I know? I know. I don't
1: intend. I don't intend. Todd's gonna be watching this. I don't intend on leaving. There you go. There you go. <laughs> ever don't do
0: it (laughs) the grass only looks that way it's not yeah is that water over there no. no it's 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 funny it's um it's funny in the sense that that every every team is really comes top down it's so I don't want it to be that way. I I would like the, the team itself to be able to have some ability to influence the top, but it's rare. It's usually the, inf- the top are influencing the bottom. True. And so when you get a good team, that means you have a good leadership team. I
1: do. And, it's amazing here.
0: You know, everybody is communicating with each other and they're, they're all on the same page and this whole idea. I got to tell you also, I should just tell you that, when the pandemic ends and, you know, knock on wood, yeah, it's not this, it's not this hard. No, <laughs> it's not. Healthcare is not this hard traditionally, you know, and, and talk about, I, I just want to recognize, let me witness, let me witness something here that I think is so super important. And, and, and I just want to witness it in you. Cause I know that it happens or I've seen it in a lot of other people as well. Sure. When the pandemic happened and this was not the first time, where I've, I've been working in long-term care for about 20 years. So this wasn't the first time that we've had an outbreak. You know, I mean, I, I've had, you know, people with HIV scares. I've had, you know, the hepatitis scares, the C. diff, the VRE, the MRSA, the H1N1, the swine, you know, like all of these, you know, the, the flesh eating diseases. I mean, you know, all kinds of reasons and scares yeah. that have made people not just question and ponder whether or not they should be working in healthcare, but literally leave. Like you know, they hear of something come in, and I've never seen it as bad as I did with COVID. Yeah. I've seen nurses, and I don't mean nurses aides; I mean registered nurses, like RNs, people who are committed, assume presumably, committed to the field of healthcare and to caring for people who are you know the end of stage of life. And when COVID came out, it was so super scary. I'm not judging them. I'm to be clear, but it was so super scary that there were people who just, you, you know, we would have a nursing home and then, Hey, we just found out three residents up on the third floor, just tested positive for COVID. And we had nurses walk out, go, I'm not staying here. I'm not working here. I'm not putting my family at risk. I'm not putting me at risk. All of the, there's too many unknowns. There's too much fear going on. There's too many people who are, who are expiring and having terrible consequences. And for you to look at all of this, in the middle of it and not even come from healthcare and you make the decision to take a job in healthcare, it, it says a lot about your character. It says a lot about your braveness, it says you. a lot about your, your ability to, to, I don't know, your ability to put others above you. Your selflessness that anybody working in healthcare, anybody who, especially who, not just, not especially, people who are, who, who stayed in healthcare during the pandemic, are still in healthcare during the pandemic, who are doing the best we can, who are, who are scared, who yeah. are fearful, who are careful, who are frustrated, who are angry at times. And, and those who are coming into healthcare wide eyed and bushy tailed like yourself, not knowing what to expect. I just have mad respect for you on that. I really well, thank do. You.
1: I really appreciate that. And, and just coming into this facility, um, knowing that, you know, they take those extra steps and those precautions to ensure the safety of the residents and staff. That had a big decision. Um, That was a big decision maker for me. Just acknowledging the safety. You know, yeah. working in hotels i had worked in, it didn't feel as safe. It didn't feel um a regular testing would be done i just didn't feel secure but once yeah. i came here i knew that there was a system set in place you know there was a timeline of events that they kind of correlate as to where we are now it just made more sense to me to be in an environment where i would feel protected and feel safe at the same time and that's one of the biggest factors has to me joining this wonderful operation here
0: yeah no i i agree i i think uh, you know hospitals can either be healthcare facilities can either be the worst place to be or the best place to be right i mean yeah it, and it's almost kind of like a a a shake of the dice on where where you're going to work and who you're going to be working with will which will either increase your exposure or decrease your exposure to certain pathogens and all that stuff but i just it, just thank you really I just you thank you well. for thank you for being willing to work in healthcare because you know, it, it breaks my heart. The idea that we're having a staffing crisis. Yeah, it's, pretty, I don't care. You can have a staffing nice. crisis everywhere, but to have a staffing crisis in nursing homes is just a certain. I mean, let me tell you, I don't have to tell you. I'm going to tell the audience what happens when we're short staffed in nursing homes. So, for those of you who may be not familiar, when we're short staffed, somebody right now, what is it? Almost noon East Coast yeah. time. There's somebody yep, who's 12. still on a toilet that's been on the toilet for, lot longer than anybody should want to be on a toilet, but they're on a toilet because they can't get up off the toilet by themselves. And there's nobody there to help the call lights on. They're yelling, help their feet. Their legs are numb. They have a a real sore spot on their legs. Now from the ring that's around their, around them, it's challenging. It's, and it's It's terrible and it's heartbreaking. And there's other people who are still sitting at the dining room table from breakfast because there's nobody to help get them out of the dining room. I mean, it being short staffed in long-term care has a real, real terrible consequence on people at end of life stages. Absolutely. It
1: it really does.
0: And and there are so many, so many people are so careless with the elderly. And uh, so I just, I just thank you for, Agree, you know, for, for choosing health care, long-term care as a, as a place to work in. Cause uh, and I wouldn't respect. change it.
1: I wouldn't change it at all. I I am committed to Webster at Rye. Yeah, so it's a phenomenal place and the team. Like I said, is the support you just work with. Everybody has just been wonderful and outstanding.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Are you guys hiring right now? Do you guys need yes, any- we
1: are. We oh. are hiring for housekeepers. Come Let's on, go. We can Let's go. Your assistance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Go. But yeah, we're pretty much hiring Luster everywhere.
1: By. Pretty much, yeah, hiring everywhere in this area in this department. Yeah, I think other departments I, as well.
0: You know what's funny is the two things that are kind of funny and ironical number one in healthcare and housekeeping i've always been short-staffed i've never been fully staffed my whole life my whole career i've always learned you know try to figure out how to get it done with less staff
1: yeah it's worse for us
0: yeah, yeah and works. the second thing is new hampshire is one of those unique places that i used to i grew up in vermont and i okay. started my healthcare career in vermont and so we always butted right up to new hampshire yeah and New Hampshire's always had a a super low unemployment rate, meaning there weren't a lot of people looking for jobs, even though there were job openings. And so Correct. New Hampshire's always been especially tough to recruit into just as a state and whole as a whole. And we could never afford to pay much, you know, because it's housekeeping and nobody ever gives us any money. That's another call, too. Let me put that out there. Start paying housekeepers more for the love yeah. of God. Anyway,
1: wage adjustments really helped let's aim. go. It's, yeah, it's very true.
0: Yeah, talk about healthcare heroes. They're called housekeepers. Yes, anyway. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, so, so New Hampshire's always been especially tough to recruit in. Housekeeping's always been especially tough to recruit in. You put those two together. Whew, yeah, you must be having a tough time.
1: No, honestly, you know, um, it's there are some challenges. However, with the team that I have. They're conditioned well enough to know, hey, we got to assign this today. These are the assignments for the day. Hey, can you do this? And instead of one person being on two floors, I have every occasional, have a, an employee who's on multiple floors. So I pull another one from a unit. Hey, get the dining room for breakfast and lunch. So that way she can monitor those two other floors, you know, things like that. So the team here, they're they're really self-sufficient, to be honest. I mean, they're so good that they know what to do ahead of time. They they reach out prior to me letting them know of, of situations that are occurring admissions, missions things like that they reach out to the other areas and other departments to find that information out so that we can all collectively work together to get the task done no matter yeah. how short we may be That's so really it's great. been working well my team here they it's a phenomenal team and I I'm proud to be their leader it is such a great team
0: what is what do you know what the website is at webstartrise just com, maybe yeah
1: yes correct webstartrise.com and you
0: can just apply right there
1: i'm almost certain yes for okay. careers, hit the careers link. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I right link, to the yeah. to the information you're looking for.
0: I think for. we have some comments. I just want to check and see if there's okay. We have a number of numbers. I don't know what this person is commenting. I H H P M I. I don't know. All right, we don't have any comments <laughs> worth sharing. All right, <laughs> <laughs> but this has been super fun. Thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it
1: yeah i had a great time and i i would be more than happy to do another show and thank you for having me on your show
0: i appreciate I, it i'm not inviting you back how dare you oh, okay. no I'm kidding. <laughs> i
1: kidding <laughs> well, can, i can't i can't as i as i heard in one of your previous uh podcasts just to show proof that i did watch one um you said this is a one and done deal <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff <You're>, man <laughs> this is your only shot now get out of here
0: <laughs> no, no i can't
1: thank you so much this has been great
0: yeah, thank you so much. I, I just absolutely love housekeeping. I love the cleaning industry. I love working with uh, the uh, housekeepers. And, 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 you know, again, a little PSA, put your card away. And, <laughs> yeah, don't uh, forget <laughs> And stop dropping trash on the floor. I don't mind Please. if you drop trash on the floor,
1: but pick it just up. Just pick it up. <laughs> pick it up.
0: Exactly. It makes all the difference. <laughs> it's such a little thing, right? It's such a little thing. So true. All right. That's it. Steven Sims from Webster at Rye. Go to Webster if you're looking for work in the New Hampshire area. You're not, Webster not Rye is not in Portsmouth, though. It's in, no, we're uh, in Rye,
1: New Hampshire. right, 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 Just a little south so of Webster at, Webster at Rye.
0: Webster at Rye. Webster at Rye. And they are really a great team. And they're recruiting for everything from LNAs to, is it CNAs or LNAs?
1: Uh, LNAs here in New Hampshire. LNAs. Yeah, LNAs.
0: They're LNAs in Vermont, too, but then in Massachusetts, they're CNAs. Yes. you know, like Just everything. more, the yeah. They're either licensed or they're certified. Who knows?
1: As long as either they, way, do a job.
0: <laughs> they are. do job. I know they're looking for dietary staff over there. Um, oh, yeah. And and, and like Stephen's been saying, they really are a great team. So uh, Come and join us. Come join them. That's it. House Gears Podcast, Stephen Sims. Ralph